Welcome and thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. I know you have heard songs, poems, stories, and much more about love. And you know, it is a score in tennis, a gas station chain, and even its name is on an airport. And just because love seems to be everywhere, that doesn't mean that it actually is. Because as you have seen and experienced throughout your life, things, people, and circumstances are different than they actually appear and are. Is that a truth or a lie? You can define love or create your own version of it, but does that really make it love? What will you do when what you thought was love really wasn't love at all according to God? God is love. Humanity tries to make it, fake it, and take it. Now, who are you going to believe about love, God or man? You got your tanks. Let's dive in. This segment is titled Discipleship the Way of Life. It's all about love. Love is a topic that truly separates the masses whether you believe it or not. Many proclaim that they love, but one point of consideration, you only get to compare what you live out as love to God's love and how he lives it out. Never use humanity as your comparison point because you will be using the imperfections of humanity versus the perfection of love that is in God. When you are comparing yourself to imperfection, it could make you feel a bit better comparing yourself to other flawed beings, since your perspective is flawed and so is theirs. But you must know, believe, and understand Jesus is the judge of your love actions and language, and if you love God and others as he commanded you. Please know, God's way of separating those who love from those who don't is as accurate as the shepherd that separates the sheep from the goats and the agrarian that separates the wheat from the tares. Believe that, and you should know what I'm fixing to say. NGA, right? True love comes in and through God to his disciples is what defines and separates Jesus' disciples. When you are sanctified by God, his light, spirit, salvation, and sanctification come into your spiritually dead life. And God makes you alive and sets you apart from the masses through the love that's only found in him. You need to wear your helmet and memorize what God says through his disciple Peter in 1 Peter 2.9 and make it a memory verse to fight against the spiritual warfare regarding who you really are in Jesus as his disciple. God says in 1 Peter 2.9, as you should remember, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, 1 Peter 2.9 is a wonderful promise of God of what you become. Stop letting the enemy deceive you to believe something other than what God calls you as his disciple. Because at the end of your life, the only person perspective and opinion that will really matter about your eternity is God's. I am testifying to the truth here. The enemy will attempt to deceive you and attempt to sear your mind to believe a lie to keep you bound from the truth that God came to save and deliver you from the devil's captivity and bondage of sin forever. 
And once you understand God's work of salvation in your life, you too can live this life God promises to those who believe he is the power and work of his spirit and his words and love become alive in you. Amen? Many believe ritualistic actions will bring forth what God can only bring into one's spirituality and life. The truth of God's word is not one's mindset that's on which that is ritualistic. No, excuse me, no, what Jesus says it is. And you can find what he spoke through his disciple John in John 13, 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, the simple truth, if you're going to use those ritualistic practices because it will make you feel better about yourself or think that God may look at you and be pleased because of those practices or you desire a certain kind of religious perspective in the eyes of others, then you're totally mistaken because you're doing them with the wrong motive, which truly amounts to self-centeredness versus living your life out of your love for what God has, is, and will be accomplishing in and through your life through love. Now, when God says all men, he means all men, and that means all of humanity. So men, don't you be deceived by the enemy to think that no woman will be able to discern the truth of God's love flowing in and through your life into her life and into the lives of others. Because I will testify, and I am certain, there are many wives that would testify that their relationships with their husbands are deficient of God's love permeating through their husband to them. And therefore, all of you, both men and women, are truly missing out on God's blessing, completeness, and richness that he infuses supernaturally into the natural bond of marriage between a man and a woman. Therefore, y'all are just existing in an earthly relationship physically bound to each other without true love and the richness of the spiritual fruit that comes through the love of God to each of you. Ladies, you can expect a Godcast very soon when God will be speaking directly to the men about how we are to be as husbands who proclaim to be disciples of Jesus. So, as my brother Derek would testify, TGE, thank God every day and hold on. So, ladies, keep praying and trusting God in love will move in the life of your husbands. Now, let's proceed. When God says all men, he means all of humanity. That would be both those who are his disciples and those who are not. So, what is it that separates God's people from the world? Because when one creates their own form of love, they can convince themselves that they do in fact love, and they may be right, based on what they have established as their standard of love. But, what they fail to realize is, it's not their perspective or their perceived standard of love that determines their eternity. It's God's standard of love that does that. So, may I ask, do you love like God loves you? Do you even know that God loves you? And, if God does love you, is his love flowing through you to others? What would you do 
other than have a spiritual knot in your stomach and let out a deep groan, when God makes it clear that what you perceived and lived as love really wasn't love at all, according to what God defines love to be and how he intends for love to be lived out in your life. Please understand, possessing a sin nature, humanity's perspective is finite and flawed, and God's perspective is eternal and perfect. God's attribute of love that Jesus is talking about goes way beyond material things that do possess significance in themselves, don't get me wrong, like homes, cars, trips, jewelry, flowers, and candy, you know, stuff like that. These things that humanity uses as a means to express one's love goes way beyond the things and genuine acts of caring for someone and even good wishes that are sometimes offered. But yet they put them in the love category. Am I wrong? Love must be at the core of your being, filling your spirituality entirely. And in doing so, love then fills your heart and permeates your mind. Remember what soaks your heart, saturates your mind? You want the truth of this claim that what fills your heart and mind? Then take some time and study what Jesus said through his disciple Matthew in Matthew 18, correction, Matthew 15, 18 and 19. God commands his disciples to imitate his love. And how you do it is only by living out the numerous examples of God expressing his love in and through humanity in his living word. The more you read, study, and meditate on God's word, the more you will begin to understand and appreciate God's love and the power it contains as it flows to and through you. You want to know the truth about how you love? Listen, it's 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. God's love is the catalyst, the means, and the motivation of the love that now permeates your entire being to the depths of your soul and spirit. And when you understand what you formulate as love, which is flawed and corrupt, you realize you really didn't love at all. And understand that God loved you even when you were unloving, aloof, possessing a heart of stone. It's God's love for the world by which you are existing in, by the way, that God, out of love, would send Jesus for your, my, miserable, despicable being and save your, my, soul from his wrath. That, my fellow disciples, is John 3.16 in action through God's agape love for you. Praise God. Now, with God's love at the core of your heart, remember the heart is the seat of your mind. Not in your chest, in your mind. And now love flows into and fills your mind and you begin to live out this action of love toward God because what God through love has done is doing and will be doing in and through your life. Now you demonstrate love. You are devoted to God in love. You worship him in love. You are attracted to others in love. And thus, as you grow as his disciple and begin as his disciple to speak the truth in love, 
What kind of disciple would one be if they did not speak the truth in love as God commands? The following passage of God's word is applicable to everything I've communicated to you thus far through every Godcast you heard. It's what God said through his disciple Paul to the disciples in Ephesus. It's Ephesians 4.15, which says, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. As a disciple of Jesus, we are to live in love for God and each other. And our mission is to carry God's love, word, and truths in our hearts and mind because we are called by God to speak his truth in love and not in our and through our own means and methods. God the Holy Spirit reveals God's truths to his disciples and you are a vessel God uses to communicate and demonstrate his unadulterated love to this sin-filled world under the control and power of the God with a small g of this world. So, you will either love like God or not. NGA, right? Because that's how God loves you and what he intends, expects, and desires from you as you love him and one another. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciple John in John 15, 12. This is my commandment to you. Love one another just as I have loved you. Now, just going to pause here at this depth for a moment. And I want you to truly cogitate on this. John 15, 12, excuse me. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment to you. Keyword commandment. Amen. Now listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay. Keyword commandments. So if NGA applies, and there is no gray area with God, right? Then if you don't keep his commandments, then you don't love him, right? Because if Jesus said if, that means the possibility to not love him does exist. Because he didn't say when, but if. And if is only love and hate. And lukewarm is not even considered by God. That would be like. Then, how do you love Jesus if you're not keeping his commands and yet proclaim to be his disciple? I will testify that what the disciples of Jesus did throughout the history of human existence when they faced persecution and surety of death that followed they had to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They had to. Look what they endured. Why would you do that if you really didn't love anybody? So, I will ask, what is the depth of your love for God when you are face-to-face -face with persecution and the surety of death? Remember, easy to say, but just remember... God already knows because he's omniscient and will have to find out, and so may you. We are to love others as Jesus loves me. That's what you say. I would say you are to love others as Jesus loves you. Then what does that mean if I do not love others as Jesus loves me? 
does that mean I don't love Jesus? Because according to God's word, I am to be an imitator of him. Have you ever considered the thought that God would imitate your actions and love language? And if he did, where would you end up? Now, I've heard a disciple preach, and one of his sayings is, and, and it's always after he looks at the pure milk of the word and communicates it, you will either say amen or ouch, and he knows, and so do I. Do you? So, if NGA does apply, and it does, where would you end up if loving God was the determining factor for your salvation? And at this exact moment, your left last breath on this planet happens. And Hebrews 9.27 is really true. Where would you spend eternity? Have you ever given that passage any real contemplation to how you are living today, yesterday, last week, last month, or last year? And who you encountered whether you knew them or not, and they were the ones who said about how you loved, what would their testimony be? As a disciple of Jesus, we are called by God to live out his word, which are his commands. Am I correct? And here's how God loves. Let's dive into 1 Corinthians 13, 1-8a. I would love to read it in its entirety and then focus on just a few passages to confirm and bring to light God's truths about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-8a. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind and not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. What I'd like to do is read this passage in a context and listen to what God is saying as he's speaking. Listen. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I have read and heard this passage over the years numerous times, and so may have you. But I would like you to hear it in the context that God is giving it to us, and I would say you've never heard it like this. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
This is what my words of love sound like. When I'm saying, you know, I really love you and What do you think God is really saying here? Verse 3 says, And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, I know there would be so many that would say, Oh, D.L. is really a Christian. And if I surrender my body to be burned, Oh, man, D.L., what a martyr. But if D.L. does not have love, it profits D.L. nothing. And so in accounting, you either have profit or loss. I don't think there's a space to occupy in a ledger that separates profit from loss, is there? And surely people aren't in business just to break even. So why would anyone desire to live in an area that does not exist in God's economy? Now listen to this. Love is patient. Consider this perspective. God said through his disciple John in 1 John 4, 8, the one who loves, correction, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's nature and spirit is love. God carries out his decretive, permissive, and efficacious will and works through love. And since God is love, then God is patient. Please don't see his patience as a means for you to live a life where the practice of sin defines whose you really are. And please do not disregard God's capacity to act on the practice of sin. Listen to what God said through his disciple Peter in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow about promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So, God is patient. So, to be loving like God when you are offended, hurt, either physically, verbally, or emotionally, insulted, frustrated, irritated, can you love like God? Can you love them without the thoughts of resentment, retribution, vengeance, or revenge? Can you love without being filled with anger, hatred, and bitterness? which leads to destruction and destroying relationships all over the place, even the ones that are closest to you, then to really demonstrate the how of God's love, that is through the act and work of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is one of the greatest expressions of love demonstrated by God and his disciples. You want proof? Listen to what Jesus did when he demonstrated love through the act of forgiveness. This truth is in Luke 23, 33 and 34a. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Now listen, these men were enemies of God. They had to be, because if they were friends or allies, 
they would not have participated in this work of God. But as God's word is true, God confirms these actions of humanity by his truth through his disciple Solomon in Proverbs 16:4, which says, The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Now listen to this perspective. Even when the wicked were pounding the nails into Jesus' hands and feet for your sin, my sin, and every disciple after us. Jesus was looking at them with compassion because he knew sin's effect on humanity. And he knew they were blind to the truth of God and the eternal purpose they were serving as instruments in the hands and will of God. And you want to know why? Here's another why, according to Jesus. Because Jesus knew the purpose and the plan as to why they were created. Amen? That's your Colossians 1 in action. So, I would like to ask, since Jesus asked the Father moments before his death to forgive them, do you think the Father did? I mean, wouldn't you think the Father would because of Jesus' request? I mean, Jesus is obedient and faithful. He carried out the Father's will in his evil and wicked world by freely giving of himself as a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for the sin of the world. So don't be surprised if you look over and those Roman soldiers are in Abraham's bosom. And if the Father did for those enemies... Don't you think he would do the same when you ask for forgiveness, regardless of the sin you committed? I mean, after all, those men killed the humanity of Jesus, but they didn't kill his spirit. And when you ask God to forgive those who trespassed against you, or do you think they need to suffer the consequences of their sin against you because their sin is greater than your sin against God. I'm just asking, can you look at someone that sins against you because they are blind to the truth of God with the same compassion as Jesus looked at you before you were saved and today versus the vengeance he could actually carry out because it would be deserved and justified? When someone wrongs you, especially if that person is what you call a quote-unquote loved one, do you take into account what they have done to you, regardless of what it was? Or do you freely forgive them, just as God has forgiven you? Because God makes it clear that his disciples understand their need for forgiveness from God for the sin they committed against him. And therefore, they live out the does not take into account a wrong suffered. And God's word, will, and work comes alive in you. Amen? Two important points to cogitate on before we head back up. God uses the word a wrong. If you are living your life keeping a tally of the wrongs, trespasses committed against you, so you can enact your punishment and judgment, then you're missing the true significance of Jesus' sacrifice to satisfy the ultimate wrong of humanity. And when you understand that God, through Jesus, forgives the innumerable sins you committed, not including mine, nor anyone else's, 
that were committed against the holy God, then you will understand the significance of forgiveness and the need for repentance that can only be accomplished with the work and power of God the Holy Spirit. And you will begin to not only forgive those who sinned against you, you will be empowered to forgive them and even yourself. Amen? Number two, to not forgive and continually face each day with the practice of sin by not forgiving the trespasser, then you are in fact practicing sin because if it's forgiveness that is the greatest expression of love, then to not forgive means you must hate because NGA applies. It's either love or hate. You decide. Jesus testified through his disciple Matthew in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, the consequence for not forgiving. Listen, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Please understand, NGA applies here without any doubt. So, do you believe God? or if you think anything other than what Jesus is saying the Father will do, then you are totally mistaken being deceived by the enemy because you would be calling Jesus a liar because you believe the Father will forgive you, although you do not forgive others. You must believe this truth. This is how you are to love as Jesus' disciples according to him. Listen to what Jesus spoke through his disciple Moses in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and Jesus himself repeats this truth in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Everyone that heard of and saw Jesus was drastically impacted by how he loved them. How are those around you impacted by how you love? Even when God reproves for goodness sake, he reproves in love. God is amazing because he truly desires for you as his disciple to grow and mature as you are being conformed into the image of Jesus. That's God's truth in Romans 8, 29, becoming a reality in you. Amen. Listen to what God says through the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12, 6. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives. Every one of Jesus' disciples need to have our imperfections identified because our flesh is and carries evil ever since the fall of man. And in your flesh, it may seem all right in your heart and mind, when in reality, it's sin and it's opposed to God, his word, truths, and commands. And when our foolish and reckless behavior rears its ugly head, and you sin against God, yourself, or someone else, 
God moves through his spirit or a vessel or an instrument he deems appropriate to keep you on the path leading to the narrow gate. Believe that. Because in your flesh, you will wander from God's commands. You will live a life of sin. And before you realize it, you've gone way over there. Thank goodness the shepherd has a staff with a hook on it. I know. Believe me. Please know God may allow others to take pleasure in their own sinfulness. But he will, out of love for you, identify and correct the sinfulness in the lives of his children. And what you need to do is when God brings forth that truth, how you love him defines how you move forward. You can count on that. I know this, one day I will testify of the sheep whose leg was broken by the shepherd, so the sheep would learn of the love and goodness of the good shepherd. As we head back up, take this with you. So, if God is love and love never fails, then God never fails. Begin to live in the spirit, light, and love of God, and when love is used, love never fails. Walk, work, and live in love. John 15, 9 says, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. I will challenge you today to have your significant other listen. And after studying Jesus' love, and then they are to look at you. Would they say that you are loving others as Jesus commands? And are you abiding in Jesus' love? Now remember, NGA applies. So, most of the Sometimes, uh, a lot of the times, uh, I really know. Now the flesh and the enemy will want to attack that biblical principle of God. You strap on your armor, God's armor, and fight back. Today, do you have any grudges against any trespasser that's concealed under the surface, locked away, that God is really looking at? Do you have any evil thoughts of what they deserve for what they have done to you? Forgive them. Forgive yourself. Ask for forgiveness. Pure, unadulterated love is the distinguishing characteristic of living out your life as a disciple of Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. A truth you must take with you today is this. It's Colossians 3, 13 through 14. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Jesus said, all men will know. There will be no speculation or question of who his disciples are, because the pure, unadulterated truth is, you are either his disciple or you're not, and love is the definer of that. Believe that. Nothing else defines his disciples more than love. You can believe when the Spirit of God is alive in you 
then you will live out this truth and action of love, God's love. Believe that. Jesus said through his disciple John in John 15, 13, Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So you see, it is all about love. Let me pray for you. Abba, I love you and thank you for today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Father, for teaching me how to love and helping me to learn to live out love like you and finally understand that my thoughts and actions before you saved me was not love at all as to what you deem love to be. Thank you so much for loving me enough that through your love you would forgive me of my trespasses against you by sending Jesus to die in my place out of his love for you. I know I was not deserving nor entitled to the love you have demonstrated and given to me. Thank you for your loving kindness. When I stop and meditate on the depth, vastness, and richness of your love, I can't even wrap my mind around it. For it's so vast, and the magnitude of it is truly amazing to me. Each day that passes, I am truly humbled by your amazing love. As a result of your loving kindness, I am living a life full of love for you, my family, others, and myself. All I can say is thank you, Jesus, for your giving your life so I could live a life of love. I now know it was your love, is your love, and will always be your love that brought forth my new life and a new life in all your disciples before me, the ones with me, and those that will follow me. Make each of us a useful vessel of your agape love to bring forth your love into this dark and wicked world. I lift up each listener to you in love. Bring forth your love upon them as you have brought forth your spirit and remove any doubt that you love them just as the Father loves you and you love him and abide in his love. Empower us all, O God, so we will abide in your love. Equip them to live out the love you have commanded them to live out as your disciple as they love you with all their heart all their soul, and all their mind. Thank you for listening. Thank you for responding. Thank you for your unfailing love. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Through love, amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to Diving Deep with DL. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have a great week of worship and keep walking the way.